Hi, good evening. It's uh, November 7, 2019. We're here at the Long Run at 2452 Sutherland Avenue with a dead hen, the engineer. I'm Patrick. I'm Ethan. Did I get it right? I... It, was, it was good okay. this time. All right. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, you can find us at deadhead.engineer865. And you can find us tomorrow on Spotify. Ethan's got a busy weekend, so hopefully we can get um, the podcast up on Spotify tomorrow. We've already had a couple of people ask us if it will be up on Spotify tomorrow. Uh, so hopefully it will be. Uh, we're at the Bliss Home Corner at Troopers Library. We 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 will we will have a packed uh, couch here. Yeah, we don't momentarily. Have room, I don't we have room on the couch for all our guests. I know so. we might have to put people on the the physio balls. Uh, it's episode thirty eight. Um, where so we're gonna rewind to eleven seven nineteen eighty seven at the Henry Kaiser Convention Center in Oakland, California. Uh, Jerry Garcia. The previous summer in 1986 came off as diabetic coma, um, which is probably not the happiest way to start out the show. But they came back full force. Uh, Bob Dylan and the Grateful Dead had a fantastic summer tour. Um, and then it kind of led into uh, a pretty neat fall tour. Uh, and I think that this is the best. Sh- There's a lot of show, a couple of shows, five, six shows on this day. I think it's the best show. I love the Hey Pocky Way opener because it's got a kind of New Orleans thing to it. Um, Jack Straw to open up the, to jam into it was excellent. Second set though is really when it gets started, not fade away. Uh, one more Saturday night, then they do this whole thing, drum space, um, uh, whatever else was in there. And then they finish off exactly where they started with not fade away. So listen to... Um, 11, uh, November 7th, 1987 at the Henry J. Kaiser. I don't think the place is even in existence anymore. Um, fantastic show. Listen to it. We're sponsored by um, our own Metro Knoxville Coaches Association today. We uh, had a meeting here, meeting of the minds, um, hanging out, talking about cross-country stuff. And uh, so we're going to... We're kind of shooting through things. We got a special guest calling here shortly, uh, momentarily. Uh, I'm gonna kind of ransack through. Uh, state meet was last weekend in Nashville. Um, boys D1, large schools fifth. Um, Harden Valley led by, uh, I guess the 11th place was Caden Keller. He was the first kind of local guy. Uh, Farragut boys were in ninth. We'll get to Brian and Chelsea here shortly. Girls D1, large schools, third was Farragut, so Chelsea was on the podium there. Uh, Kathy Hugh, I might be might be pronouncing her name incorrectly, but before that, Andy Marine Jones, um, Farrag- uh, excuse me, Maryville Mir- girl was in fifth. Uh, Hardin Valley girls were in 11th, and uh, my own West girls were uh, down in the dumps, so uh, they were in the 13th, so lucky number 13. They were still there, though. They were still there. I guess that counts for something. Um, boys D1 small school Seth Jenks was the individual champ there uh, we'll get to Pam her team was second on the boys side uh, and we'll get to Sean his girls um, Callie Tucker was the individual champ and we'll get to Bobby so all these coaches coming together um, his boys and girls D2 small schools uh, Webb was second in both the boys and girls division and so um, obviously there was a lot going on uh, this past weekend. 
you know, I think we chose to, you know, you had all, a bunch of conference meets and stuff like that and, and, and state meets, but obviously you got something going on this weekend. So tell us about what's going on. Uh, there's, there's a ton of well, people. Yeah, running. myself and uh, probably about uh, 65, it seems like, runners from Knoxville are all going, down, going up to Indianapolis for the Monumental Marathon. I know uh, Bobby's got a big crew of uh, Knoxville Endurance runners going up there. It's supposed to be very cold. Perfect um, conditions which, for you. Which ended up ha- causing me to adjust my, uh, my season plan. So I'm going to be trying uh, to run a fast time up there, see what happens. And uh, I think it's going to be a good day up there, Saturday, 8 so o'clock. You're leaving tomorrow? Yep. So you're ditching me on a run in the morning? I will not be there in the yep, morning. You're not going to be there in the morning. Um, but obviously training, you know, kind of shorten the training a little bit and hoping for the best on, obviously we're all hoping for the best on, uh, uh, yeah, on I found personally for me, weather plays a bigger role than anything else. And so I saw the forecast and decided just go for it and see what happens. Cool. Uh, you know, I think before we have our special guest call in, uh, maybe get our coaches kind of line them up around here. Uh, normally we ask what's on tap so Ethan what's on tap well based on what we were talking about earlier I'm on a alcohol fast for the week so I'm drinking water I got a you know thanks Bob I got a natural light uh, fantastic uh, beverage of choice Bob what's on tap well you texted me five minutes ago and basically (laughs) said you need to bring a sorted amount of beer so I brought a Bud Light Orange out of the gas station right down the road. <laughs> the pilot. It's a good one. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, one even the pilots. The one that doesn't have a name on it. Oh. So. I like them over there. They're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 sli- I'm sitting. We need to get a picture of this because we've never had a, quite a couch this full. Um, but, uh, Donnie, what you drinking? I'm going to try the Yingling tonight. Sean, what you drinking? I've got the Sweetwater Blue. Chelsea, what's on tap? I've got some water. Water. (laughs) Pam, what's on tap? Well, I had some water too, but now I've lost it. I think I'm going to Brian, what's on tap? I just have water tonight also. (laughs) We got a lot of people drinking water. That's good. That's a good thing. Uh, It's raining tonight, and uh, we are uh, awaiting. So uh, we're going to have Sasha Neglia call in here momentarily. Um, So wait, obviously... We were all there to, to see her dominant win uh, on Saturday, and um, 7.22, I think she ran. Um, obviously, a pretty good run. Sean, um, you had, how long ago did uh, Joanna win uh, her state title? What that did she run on that course? 2010, she was 17.51. Bobby, you had uh, Peyton, what did Peyton run on that course? She's mid-18s uh, a couple years ago, about 1840, 1850 range. Um, and she won her division, but she, she stayed in that range all three years. So, uh, fi- well, finally we'll get to our special guest caller. Sasha, how are you? It's Patrick and Ethan. Good. <laughs> wow, that's it? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, how are you? I'm good. It's really exciting coming off the weekend. Just still kind of on that high. Well, awesome. So I think obviously congratulations. We got a we got a bunch of Thank coaches you. here locally. Uh, we were all there to you know, you know, obviously fantastic run, uh, three time uh, 
state cross country champ. And so, um, tell us a little bit about how it felt, uh, you know, being back on top. Um, it felt really exciting. I think going into the race, I was pretty determined based on last year, but definitely the more exciting thing was the team title because we had been so close in all of my years in the high school. Yeah, so I talked to Coach Bingham yesterday, two days ago. That was the first team title for Dobbins Bennett since 1997. Um, yeah. You were nowhere. I was 17 years old in 1997, and I was <laughs> in 11th grade. You were nowhere near anywhere. So that's a long time, obviously. Yeah. Um, so what was the cooler part, being on top of the pony, podium by yourself or being there with your teammates? Definitely the team. Can you expand on that just maybe a little bit? Um, so my freshman year, we had gotten second and then third my sophomore year. And then had I not been DQ'd, we would have gotten second last year. So coming that close just every year and finally like being able to do it was just an amazing feeling. Right. So, you know, you brought it up and, and we're not going to harp on it. Your DQ... Yeah. My, the West team that I coach would have won anyway last year. Yeah. Um, so, but obviously, um, I, I make really bad jokes, Sasha, in case you couldn't tell. I talked to your dad earlier today, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the fact that you didn't even look at LaSalle. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it surprised the both of us, but you, you chose to go to North Carolina. And so, um, Coach Miltonberg is obviously, North Carolina is probably ready to take off. So, tell us a little yeah. bit about why you chose North Carolina over probably the other multitude of schools that you had to choose from. Mm-hmm. The coaches were just amazing, and the team and atmosphere and energy there. Like, just going on a weekend visit there, I felt so at home, even though I'd like, barely known these people. And I just really clicked with them. Well, uh, I guess don't want to uh, look forward too much since you just had your uh, state victory, but uh, what's coming up next on the calendar? Um, Nike Cross Regionals. So y'all probably have a good, uh, pretty good shot team-wise to get out, obviously. I mean, you're a low stick, so... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would imagine uh, Coach Bingham is probably looking forward to Portland, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough, but... I think if we really put the work in now, we have a shot at it. You know, I, I guess the, the, the last question I have is, what's it like at family dinner between you, your sister, who is your sister still is, is at UTC, right? Yeah. And so, and then your dad, you know, ran collegiately. Did your mom run in college? No, but she did actually go to North Carolina. Oh, so there's a little family lineage there to be a target, yeah. huh? So that'll that'll make an interesting, uh, yeah, I guess Thanksgiving uh, Day dinner, um, <laughs> because uh, do you have all the ho- the whole, the house records? Um, I don't know. I guess <laughs> you don't have like a scoreboard of any sort, like you know, on the refrigerator that lists everybody's PRs. No. <laughs> oh man, you need one of those. Well, okay, Sasha. Uh, hey, seriously, you know, I was telling Ethan the other day that uh, I was kind of moping around after the, after the meet was over, 
and I bumped it, you know, just kind of happened to bump into you and, um, you know, I, I was, I, I was there as all these other coaches were there your freshman year, uh, and, you know, to be a three-time state champion, uh, obviously you got regionals coming up, hopefully, <clears throat> excuse me, a national bid, indoor and outdoors to look forward to, and obviously a fantastic, uh, you know, career to look forward to as a Tar Heel, and so we mm -hmm. wish you all the luck. Um, Thank you. So, um, not sure, I don't know, I'm sure if anybody's going to be here at Nike, but um, anyway, good luck to you guys, Dobbins Bennett crew, uh, we're pulling you. for you. Good night. Good Thanks. night. See you, girl. Bye. Well, there you go. Uh, I guess that's a typical uh, 17, 18-year-old high school student-athlete. Um, but that's what it is. I guess she, she ran 17, what did we say, 1724. And so, Brian, did you have uh, – I, I had Megan win a state title, but I think she ran 1850. What did – uh, did Emma Mashburn ever win a state title? No. We didn't have any girls win. Um, she was fifth, I believe, um, her senior year. That was our highest okay. girl individual. But I was crunching some numbers the other day. I think her time was the fastest large school division winner since the split of the schools in 88 or something like that. Yikes, really? Um, 17.22 on that course is fast. I don't yeah, know if there's any really private school. That is really fast. It wasn't. Kroger, I don't, I don't think, think Kroger ran that. 16.59. Ooh. Oh, that's fast. So, yeah. That's, that's fast. That's pretty quick. Uh, all right, so we'll get to our coaches here. Um, actually, why don't we just have everybody introduce themselves. So we'll start with Pam. All right, I'm Pam Haggard, and I coach at Alcoa High School. I'm Chelsea Osborne. I coach at Farragut High School. Bobby Holcomb, Webb School of Knoxville. Sean O'Neill, Knoxville Catholic High School. Don Matchett, I coach at South Doyle High School. Brian Brown, Hard Valley Academy. Uh, Landon Harris, Maryville High School. <laughs> so yeah, we got we. This is a packed house. I thought we had a packed house last week with the Mother Runners, but uh, the coaching coaching panel has taken over. And so we have to do a pan panoramic together. We need a panoramic. We, we need uh, Chuck to take a photo of this if we can even fit us all on the landscape. And so I think, you know, where we wanted, you know, Ethan and I were kind of going back and forth, um, trying to figure out where to kind of gear, you know, steer this thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I know I had a couple of conversations. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll get to it momentarily. Um, you know, we wanted to kind of look at culture. I think we all have... Um, you know, we all try to have a team culture and there's obviously nuances with coaching boys and girls and we'll get to, um, you know, two sport athletes and um, uh, obviously the seasons that we have to navigate cross country, indoor, indoor track is kind of a thing here now, uh, not a sanctioned thing, but uh, outdoor track is obviously a thing. And so I think where I wanted to start off and I'm going to put him on the spot. Um, Brian, uh, you started it. You came from North Carolina, uh, started Hardin Valley in 2008. Brand new school, brand new building. Kids that were probably zoned to go to, to Farragut with Chelsea, but they ended up with you. 
And so it worked out well. <clears throat> I think we can all obviously, or y'all can chime in at any point in time, but I think how did you um, develop from scratch a team culture? Well, it had lots of different phases. I mean, that first summer we weren't even allowed to be on school campus because they weren't finished with construction yet. Um, but we started off with our expectations of kids running and kids running and kids running. There had been so many different places where people, cross country is like a club or an activity people did and we wanted to make sure that we were, we were out in it to race and we were in it to run, not just to be the, the fitness club. Because I had kids come and ask if they could be on the team but not race. And I think, well, no, that's not what we do. And they could find other things to do with that. But from the beginning, I um, was very lucky to have some kids buy in. Um, had a lot of kids. We didn't have any seniors that first year in our whole school, but then didn't. So I had the same group of kids um, for a couple of years so we, they could build and build on what we did. Um, and we just held them to, to high standards. And um, I was pretty lucky to have some pretty talented kids that bought in with that. And uh, also some unique things. Uh, we had a cross-country course back then, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, rolling out the back door and going to practice. and um, That damn middle school, man. Yeah, that middle school. <laughs> middle school kind of wrecked that a little bit. But um, we also got a unique opportunity to do some things. Like if you go to our team website and I'm busy updating from this year I've got every cross-country time a kid has ever run for the history of our school on every course so the kids can see where they rank amongst the others uh Caden this weekend was the fourth fastest ever on the Percy Warner course really wow um and uh like like those types of things and, and our school records and the the stadium records and the old course records are still out there too and different stuff like that but it's unique opportunity to do some pretty cool things where kids can see where they are all time in a school and, and everybody else can do that but it'd be take a lot of groundwork to go back 50 and 60 and 70 years yeah when you schools. can start in 2008 it might it, not that it makes it any easier obviously because you know it, it's still a difficult challenge but maybe you know someone else uh, Bob maybe you could speak up about how, how how do you develop team culture or you know you came to web or you know went to web you know, you didn't start the school, obviously. The school was there. It was, it was in existence before you actually, you know, you do a great job of web. But, uh. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I took over the job from Coach Wortley. He uh, actually just called me out of the blue one day and just basically said, hey, I'm, I'm moving to Pennsylvania. And uh, Coach Heiser, who really did a great job in the last several years prior to that, um, set a good foundation. And then Coach Wortley took from – Coach Heiser and continue to build it. And they were, they had a streak already going in the girls' side on the. I think they were on their third or, I think second or third um, state title already. And my job was basically not to mess it up. You know what they had already going because the guys and girls actually were, were were winning I think two in a row or something. And so, right off the bat, um, I kind of had a unique um, experience because the athletic director interviewed me and and was interview me for the job but then in the middle of the uh interview i kind of had to ask him like twice who his daughter was and didn't put together that peyton was uh dave messy's daughter at the in the middle of the interview so that was kind of tell you how much at the time coming into high school i was uh not really 
really all there because I took about two or three years off from Farragut. But then once I got the job at Webb, the first thing was, what can I do to kind of bring it all together? And right off the bat, camps, um, trying to do like pancake breakfasts, you know, and during the summertime, how to get them to buy in during the summer because the previous couple summers, um, they would train, but they would just train off of a program. My goal was to actually bring them all together um, throughout the summer and train like four or five days a week. Um, so that way they build a foundation. Um, and so that was kind of big for us. And then it kind of continued on from there um, to really kind of build where it's at today. Um, right. Which has been, it's been a fun journey, but just seeing the kids develop. This, this past year has been probably one of my, one of them. Um, every year is a different year, but it's been one of my favorites because it's a, kind of a fresh slate uh, on the boys' side and the girls' side. So it's almost like I took an entirely a new team this year um, on both sides because we graduated so much in the last couple of years. So it's been nice to kind of see them all come together and build. That's cool. Landon, what do you what do you think you do differently at Maryville than you know some of us Knoxville uh, people do? <laughs> I don't think there's. It's it's actually reassuring to hear that I'm, that we're having a lot of the same things happening, uh, which is nice. Um, uh, it's really interesting to hear. Um, I don't know about building that team culture from the base up, and and to hitch on Brian here is to when I inherited the team. One of the first things I was like, first of all, we're we're here to compete, and um, we're not. This is this is not a running club. This is a varsity sport, and um, and set the tone to which there was a core group of kids that that's that's what it was for them. There was a lot of kids that that wasn't for. After two or three years with that with kind of a concept, there we kind of moved those kids away and <laughs> <laughs> the ones that are that were there for the fun. Uh, but then you've got this core group, and if you just give them some tools, um, they take over the, the, the team and lead it by the example. And that was, I've been really fortunate in the last 10 years uh, to have a, a core group of kids show the younger ones that are serious how it's done. And then those, those boys and those girls um, grow in that um, blueprint. And then as they get better and faster and the ones that are coming underneath them see how it's done there. So it's been uh, fun to see kind of a, a, an athlete, student athlete legacy um, continue to where as a coach, I just kind of tweak here and there and say, this is, we're gonna meet and, and this is what you're gonna do. And then you're gonna see, I just have to throw my kids out there for an example. So it's really been fun to see them kind of own the team and, um, and and see them continue success, and, and hopefully someday, I'll, just like some of these Knoxville schools, we can experience the <laughs> ultimate <laughs> success uh, in the D1 large schools. Oh, and before we go on and talk about something else, about the, the team culture thing, um, you know, I'm obviously not, not from here, but when I went to high school, um, I had four, five different coaches for my four years of high school, and there was no, there was no team culture. There was no continuity from from uh, year, class to class or year to year. And we also had a new school open up right down the road from us, and that broke things up. And um, I don't think all you coaches realize how important it is, and what you guys are doing is is developmental for all these kids. And I know you've all have been stuck around for a long time, and um, you're by growing these these programs and showing how important it is. Um, you're actually doing your, your kids a real service. So 
my coach, the coach now at my high school who got there my senior year is still there and he's had a lot of success and it just shows, you know, what one coach, if they care and uh, they stick around, they can, they can, you know, change a program. So I like all the stuff I'm hearing from you guys. You know, I'm going to go off topic for just one second as, as quickly as I can. And to piggyback Ethan, I think it's interesting because the coaches that we do have assembled here, um, we, there's, uh, student athletes that they've coached that are now professional athletes. Uh, Aaron Templeton, Joanna Thompson, uh, Christian Brewer is now a coach of his own. Um, I think um, I'm going to forget physical therapist. She's moved back to Maryville. Uh, Franklin, uh, Avery Frank Franklin's still in the mix. Bobby has um, uh, Peyton going to debut breaking news she's going to debut <laughs> on Saturday so I think when you look at that sort of stuff um, and I'm sure Chelsea and Pam probably have the same thing like kids that you've coached over the last couple of years that have gone in to do different things and the fact that it's not you know you're kind of in and out and, and forget it and commitment obviously you know I was the same way as Ethan like I had three different coaches for you know cross country and indoor and outdoor season so I totally, I totally get it. I think the thing that I want to uh, address uh, with Pam and with Chelsea being that you're the only females on the panel here, um, differences and nuances between coaching boys and girls. And Pam, we know you're a school psychologist over there in Alcoa. Um, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about how, how you approach um, Coach, yeah, what, what, what's your stance on well, that? Well, and I think Chelsea and I probably have very different things to say based on the size of schools that we coach at. I think a big part of, of the culture and what happens with me at Alco is the fact that our school is so small that we really have a hard time just having enough kids to have a team. So I, I really struggle in the with having enough girls to have a team every year. So that kind of creates a real discrepancy between my boys and my girls because I've got enough boys that are competing to be on the, you know, to have those varsity spots and I don't have enough girls. The goal a lot of times with my girls is just to have five girls that by the end of the season, you know, can, can cross the finish line. And that's just the truth and that's how it is when you're, when you're at a small school. Um, so that's a big difference uh, and, and because of that, it, it forces me to focus a little bit differently with the kids being boys and girls, not just because it's boys and girls, but just because uh, I'm a little less hard on the girls because I want to keep them there. I can't afford to have anybody injured. And then with the boys, uh, they're a little bit more competitive and we can work a little bit harder on that. So that's a big difference for me, more so, like I said, than just, just the gender differences. If you want to pop in and talk about school size. Yeah, I mean, we've got 50 on the team, 25-25, almost even split. I'd say for me, the difference is the guys have that natural drive, like you said, they're, they, they have that natural competitive. And my girls, I find they have it, it's just figuring out how to get it to come out. They, they like to be treated a little bit differently. Um, they like maybe the fluff of being on a team sometimes, sister baskets and that kind of stuff. And so letting them buy into doing that gives it's true. They love that stuff. They do. They do. And so it it gives the girls that feeling of camaraderie, which I think then they 
I don't know, that sort of drives competition on my team, I find. So I, I, that's and, a big focus for us. Yeah, and for me too, my girls tend to band together a little bit more. They tend to want to help each other. Sometimes I think they wait on the other more than they need to, whereas the guys will be more competitive with one another. So uh, they'll kind of push each other along in a different way than the girls will. Sean, you've had a couple, obviously more than a couple of good girls over the last couple of years. So how do you, what are the differences and nuances that you approach when you're coaching like say Jake for instance and someone like Joanna or Callie over or you know over the last couple of years and to me the the differences are based on gender it's it's each individual is very different right so look at someone like Megan Fairway she was just tough as nails and wanted to go out and destroy people <laughs> and really ran more like mm-hmm. you know you think a typical guy would and uh, so it really depends on the person but the girls generally, I think, have to be sometimes try to be a little more nurturing, and sometimes almost talk them into believing that they're fast. Some of them just have have a lot of doubts, and the guys tend to be more like, well, "I'm going to go beat everybody," and then halfway through, realize they're wrong, and the girls are coming the opposite <laughs> And I guess that's the the nuance. And like Donnie, you could speak up because I think Pam had mentioned like she has difficulty fielding a, a girls' team, you know, some years and. And I know you're, you, you know, we've spoke at length about how, how difficult it is for you over at South Doyle to put together, you know, a full squad sometimes. Like when you have a, sh- a short squad, you know, if there's hopefully five of each or if there's only two of each, how do you approach, um, you know, and I think didn't you only have two girls this fall? We had three girls this three fall. Girl. So how do you approach that when, when there's not a full team? It's difficult, and I was thinking as I'm listening to people around the room here that um, I challenge boys in a different way, and and I feel like they need, well, I don't know if they they needed it differently, but the girls, I will, I feel like I I try to be more, I support the girls in a different way, and it, um, I, I had one girl who, d- who ran with the boys this year, and I had one girl who could barely run a lap when the year started, but was running two and three and four minute PRs as the season went. Um, so you have different room for growth. But you know, the thing that, that I have said my whole career is that running teaches you that you can do things that you didn't know you could do. And that takes a, a, whole, um, a whole realm. I mean, and, and kids, Kids figure things out, and and they, they do push each other. And it, it, one of the things that, that I was thinking about, I was listening here, is that I, competition within the team is good, but sometimes my team can be so blind that they don't even know that the other teams are there, and they only worry about each other. So it's it's when that it's when they recognize the other teams and they they work together to beat up other people that that I know that we're where we want to be. Kind of in a catch twenty two. Like yeah. it, on one end, it's really good, and on the other end, you know, it, it's about like Landon said earlier. You know, get out and compete. And so, right. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's interesting. Does anything? Does anybody else have anything? Brian, you got anything to input on that? Like, um, how do you approach? You have you have a large group. We obviously. do have a large group. Um, and I think the biggest differences with the boys and the girls for me is how I talk to them a little bit different. I have three daughters of my own and know and have learned through experience things you can tell girls and tell boys that are wildly different sometimes in how you say it. 
can mean the exact same thing, but how you say it makes a difference right. uh, with them. And you, with the guys, you're trying to maybe hold them down at the start line. Where girls, you're hoping they're not crying and nervous and anything else at the start line. With that, where the guys, you're like, okay, we got to be calm for this first mile. And girls are like, I hope we just get to the first mile sometimes. <laughs> but um, I think what you say and how you say it is different even though you might mean the exact same thing with both groups. Yeah, I think, you know, and and just to, I don't know, maybe make um, kind of a, I don't know, not a, a mo- I guess maybe a moot point. I don't know how many, how many of y'all read it. Um, the Mary Kane article who, you know, she ran for the, you know, she, she was in high school in New York, skipped college, and then went straight to the Nike Oregon Project. And, and it was an interesting article just because I thought, you know, it made me kind of question my own self. Like, am I doing the right thing for not only the girls that I coach, you know, the young females, but, but do I also, you know, approach the way that I coach high, high school boys? And, and obviously there's differences in like, you know, I said, I said to Pam earlier, like nuances sound, it sounds fancy. And so... Uh, and, and we don't ever do fancy, obviously, you know, we don't have, we're, we're working on iPhones here, but I just think that, um, some, sometimes obviously <clears throat> things got carried away in that situation and, and it led to, uh, you know, led her down a path that, you know, thankfully many of us have, you know, all the kids that we've coached have not, you know, gone down that way, but. Uh, it, it makes you, I think it makes you wonder and question. At least it made me, you know, when I sat there today, Pam gave me a hard time that I'm sending y'all a text message that like in the middle of the day, like I had time to read the article. So I read the article. I'm sure most of y'all have read the article at this point. Um, I guess food for thought. Um, I don't know. Does anybody have any, did anybody read that? Donnie, go. But didn't she mention that it was... Uh, approaching girls developmentally like the males that, that was really part of the problem a big piece of it yeah essentially and 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 that's where i don't know i guess i don't know maybe we do a better job of it than most others i think i i'd like to think that we do i got uh, a facebook mention from caroline payton today that uh thanking me and she ran it uh, after she went to houston after she left south oil and ran at university of arkansas and she seemed to think that her coaches in high school had, had treated her well. Yeah, and imagine, you know, at some point, we've probably all gotten those messages. You know, I'm sure Landon's gotten them, Brian's gotten them, you've gotten them, Sean, Bobby, <laughs> you know, go through the line, Chelsea and Pam. Like, and so, uh, you know, I don't know. It's not a pat on the back. I don't think we need it um, or y'all need it, but it, it's – it. You know, I think obviously sometimes, you know, you can, coaches can kind of lose that scope a little bit. And so, so if you're listening to this and you think your high school coach did a good job with you, send them a message, make them feel good. <laughs> right. There you go. That, that, if that's the message we're trying to send, perfect. Um, I don't know. I don't know how we segue into the next thing, but we're trying to not keep this thing too long because Ethan's got to run a marathon in two days. Um, but I know, Chelsea, I'm going to put you on the spot, okay? So, three seasons. Uh, indoor, indoor track is not a sanctioned sport in the state. 
so we TSSAA is cross country and outdoor track, but Chelsea only coach cross country. Mm-hmm. And so um, how do you manage coaching one season? For, I mean, you used to coach uh, all, you know, at least three seasons. I mean, you, you had some, you know, you, you did some indoor track stuff. How do you approach the fall uh, after you've not seen your kids through the indoor and outdoor season? I think from, I gave up track what, four or five years ago. I don't remember the exact number. And I think at first it was really difficult, but I think the most important thing for me is starting in late June, whenever I get them back, through Hoka time trial, whatever it's called now, Foot Locker. It's going to be on, so on, we'll announce that yes. later, but it's going to hey. be on. Hey, through Foot Locker, the most important thing is, is getting the kids to understand what we do, why we do it, understand what the workouts are, get them educated so that they understand what they're supposed to be doing, why we do it, the benefits of what we do, all of those types of things. And then once, you know, once the time trial and once Foot Locker is over and they get their rest and they go on to track season, they've got that base. And so I, I, then I just have to trust them and then I trust the track coach that's going to take care of them through that indoor and outdoor season. And, you know, I follow track season, obviously. I, you know, see what they're doing. And, and it's just, it's nice to see that they keep that consistency. So the, the biggest thing for me was just educating them, getting them to realize the importance of that. And then you've got your kids that don't do track. So then it's just getting them to keep training even though they don't want to go into track season. So for you personally, do you ever miss any part of it, aspect to it? Yeah. I do. There, there are definitely times that I miss track season. I don't don't miss track season on Saturday starting at 8 a.m. and then <laughs> 10.30 p.m. But yes, there are definitely times I miss track. And so the rest of y'all manage, you know, three seasons. Um, you know, who wants to chime in first and say what, how do you manage cross country, you know, a state champion, you know, going to the, qualifying for the state championships, uh, maybe a postseason, regrouping, indoor, you know, maybe there's a national indoor meet that comes around, and then, so who wants to speak up, say something about how you manage those three seasons, and then I think the thing that, you know, you were talking about was um, walking around a building, recruiting kids, like, how do you bring kids out from different sports to run indoor and outdoor track that aren't your cross country kids? Managing is basically think ahead. I mean, right after the season's over with, already, already after the season, you're already thinking about your meets next year. Like having our meeting today that I, sorry, I yeah, if you had been here for it, it would have been amazing. <laughs> but I'll get an email tomorrow. But you're, you're already planning for next year, and like indoors already been pretty much planned out. The training and everything and then outdoor was was planned out pretty much right around the, towards the end of the season last year you're taking your notes and everything and I think you have to try to stay ahead I think it's one of the big things I think Brian does probably the best of managing um, an entire three seasons because it just seems like it's like clockwork to him um, over there and it's it's fascinating to watch how he manages a pretty big size school but also all year round they seem to be competitive um, at all levels, that you know, in cross country, indoor. How many consecutive do you guys got in indoor? Um, it's t- he doesn't keep counting on things. We didn't win any of them last year, but okay. 
uh, but you're always up there on the podium, and it's it's fascinating to watch a school like them that continue to stay ahead. And uh, we try to learn. I try to, at least. Well, I think for me, too, oh, sorry, part of the challenge is uh, having kids who aren't doing all those things. So it's managing the kids that are running each one of those different seasons and then the kids that aren't. And then trying to figure out how, when you pick one back up, how to get those kids caught up with the kids that haven't been running. So that's been a challenge for me because I've got a lot of kids that, you know, I have a really hard time getting them to do much of anything in the summer. So we're starting our school year, which thankfully starts early, with kids who have, you know, their mileage is zero. And I've got some kids who have been, you know, putting in 20, 30 miles a week. So for me, that's another, just an added on challenge is just keeping, keeping up with those, the different kids and the different amounts they're running. Because I do have some that do track and a few that don't. So. I think it goes back to your culture a little bit too, because our, we have a big group that wants to do indoor every year. And we have kids that are track, but not cross country, our jumpers, throwers, sprinters, hurdlers that are working all fall just to be able to get to compete indoor. And we kind of use that as the carrot for working out in the fall is if you do that, then you get to do the indoor season. And the distance runners for, for indoor, we're not really trying to train to run super fast most of the time. It's to stay healthy and get a good base and run fast-ish at the end of indoor season. If somebody is qualified for uh, New Balance or used to be Brooks was an indoor meet, back in the day and now it's an outdoor meet but if you were going for that there's a little bit different emphasis compared to the whole group um, and then there's I, I, I like that our spring break has been after indoor nationals so then you can kind of have that okay now now we jump into outdoor and here's here's our focus and here's the important meets and I think part of that also is you have to emphasize what is important and what's not important is the meet on January 10th as important as the section meet on May the 9th? Well, no. If you say yes, then it's you got issues getting to May the 9th at the section meet. Um, so I think you have to make sure and prioritize what is important and make that your focus and you get through the other parts to get to the big meets, to get to the, the championships. Um, and you, you can't emphasize every meet like when we, we were all talking about cross country meets earlier for next year. You can't emphasize that each one is important or else none of them become important. Yeah, I think that's something we've independently, collectively, we've all discussed. Like, you know, where do you emphasize? Like, what's, what's more important? I had a parent ask me the other day, like, well, the regional meet is more important than state meet, right? And I'm like, well, at first I thought, well, what regional meet are you talking about? And they're like, the, re the regional meet already occurred. Like, oh, the next regional meet. I'm like, well, it, the, the most important meet is going to be the state meet, you know, assuming that, you know, that's the culmination of our season. And so, um, you know, the, the first meet, indoor meet in Johnson City, which most of us will go to, uh, is not going to, you know, is not going to be as important if, you know, you, you have groups that, you know, athletes that travel to New York for the New Balance meet. And so, yeah, prioritizing what you know what you have coming up um obviously it, it's it you know i almost sometimes wish you know and maybe who knows how far we are away from having TSSAA sponsor indoor track probably never going to happen but it might make things a little bit easier um you know in in virginia it's cross country you have oh, yeah. cross country indoor yeah, it's track. Three, three full seasons yeah, and in new york we had that too and it and it but we also had you know six different coaches like you said earlier 
I think, you know, I just uh, he he Patrick kind of touched on it, but I it, it is interesting to me. So I kind of actually want to ask specifically: um, Do you actually do you ever go to you know soccer and and recruit people out of you know say that, that person might be a good runner? You know, basketball. That person. You know, have you ever thought about coming out for track and becoming a jumper? Uh, is that something that you do? Is it kind of frowned upon to poach from other? <laughs> I haven't really poached, but it's funny. Most of my best distance runners, a lot of them have come from basketball. I mean, we shared Jake Rampier with basketball his first two years of high school. Joanna Thompson wanted to be a lady ball. Um, Megan Farrowich played varsity basketball her freshman year. Sheila Kapaya played basketball. Didn't Jordy play basketball? Jordy played basketball freshman sophomore wow. year. It's, it's surprising, but for some, for some reason, distance runners are coming from basketball at Catholic. But in the end, they don't end up finishing in both sports. And that's kind of the touching point. You, you said, uh, is, it, is it frowned upon? It is if you're seen as filling an athlete from another coach in your school or another team in your school. But you know, I can, one of my top guys I had 20 years ago, Wes Mackey, uh, our soccer coach gave him to me because he had such a strong senior class that there just wasn't a spot for him. He said, well, you did pretty good in cross country. Maybe you'd like track too. But this year I went to our soccer coach when we had three girls. And one of the girls had ran cross country in the past and she plays basketball. And I said, you know, do you, this is something that I would typically would not do. But I said, you know, I really hate going to a meet with three girls, not putting five on the line. And I said, is there anybody that could help us on a Saturday or a day you don't have a meet? And they, it seems that our school, well, we have some athletes, but it seems that Watch what you say, Donnie. We have, we have some really good athletes right now, but there seems to be um, the numbers aren't – they just aren't there. The girls are interested in other things during this time frame. Well, we have a really strong musical department. <laughs> I'm talking about recruiting. I uh, have spent a lot of time in the lunchroom, lunch duty, and different things like that. I'm looking at kids every single day, thinking out which event they could do or not do, and it's more for the track kids, the distance kids. They're a little bit different, built a little bit different. The commitment is um, almost year-round for those distance kids, where it's not quite the same for the sprinters, jumpers, throwers. Um, but we've actually had some really good distance kids that didn't run freshman cross country. Um, a number of them, uh, came out and ran track and then decided they liked it. Uh, a number of all-state kids, um, actually four of our all-state kids, uh, Will Templeton didn't run cross country as a freshman, uh, Emma Mashburn did not, uh, Hannah Fighton did not, um, Zoe Antonis did not run as freshman cross country runners, but then liked what they had in track and decided to run after that. So we've had a little bit of success with that uh, as well. Um, so hopefully I'll have a phenom couple of freshman girls in track this year that can add to our cross-country right. squad next year. You know, I think uh, normally um, you know, we've, we've covered a lot of topics. We had Sasha call in. Um, Bellap is... Um, I guess I just want to know. <laughs> Sorry, uh, momentary uh, 
text message there. Um, so we're here at the Bliss Home Corner at Troopers Library at 2452 Sublin Avenue. Deadhead and the Engineer. You can find us tomorrow on Spotify, on Instagram at deadhead.engineer865. One word. How, one single word. Okay. How do you, how do you wrap up your, your personal life and your coaching life how do you balance the two? Wrap it up. Quick. Land and go. How can you say loving wife in one word? <laughs> there you go. Uh, combine the two. Love wife. There you go. You're done. Brian. Um, uh, that's, a, that's tough. <laughs> Putting you on the spot, man. You are. Um, I think we, I would be characterized as not very good balance with that, but yeah, understanding... Boy. Understanding. Okay, perfect. Donnie, you're up. Just go. <laughs> just, that's a just go. There's not, there's not no T. Hyphenated, just, just go. Okay, Sean. Wing it. Wing it. <laughs> <laughs> Bob? This whole one word thing. I'm just like, well, I mean, you can hyphen shoes. words. Yeah. You can hyphen the word. Um, you know, just... My, I don't know why share keeps coming into my head. I, I don't want to... I try to share the time. One word, Bobby. Man, One know, word. Like Sonny and Cher? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Cher with a... With um, my, I don't, I'll tell you what. I just, oh, gosh. This is tough. I mean, Take a man, damn word, Bob. I know it. Um, I mean, I'm like really serious. Like sharing time with my wife is just very, very Okay. Critical. Well, that's a sentence. We'll go with Cher. Yeah. Okay. Chelsea, you're up. Um, I'd say compartmentalize comes in my head, but that's not what I want to say. But it's like when I'm... At home, I try to be present at home, and then when I'm at work, like I really try to keep the two separate so that so that everybody feels taken care of. Pam, you're the psychologist here. I know. Well, the first word I thought was exhaustion, (laughs) (laughs) because you want to do it all, and then you're just exhausted from doing it all. But uh, I I liked what Chelsea had to say because she's right. That's what you got to do. You got to make your time, and and then the time for them. So you got so you can be all in with with whoever you're with when you're with them. What about you? Well, beer doesn't count. Beer does not count. Well, you know, based on the way my team performed last week, I'd say uh, losing. And so, um, so yeah, I don't have anything to input. I'm just part of the Deadhead and the Engineer crew here today. So uh, I think we'd like to thank all the coaches here, Pam, Chelsea, Bob, Sean, Donnie, Brian, and Landon. Uh, pretty, I think we accomplished what we wanted to. I think I learned a lot. Yeah. Or, or or not, but I'm just kidding. I, I, I always I always have to make bad jokes, but thank you guys so much. I think we'll definitely have to do this again. Um, Got to get a bigger couch first. Yeah, you need to like yeah, Bliss Home Corner. Got to get, get back over to Bliss. We need and like get a myself double, another couch, double yeah. size couch. Oh, and so, uh, thanks guys. Good luck uh, for those that are gonna run. Well, got people running on Saturday. Those that are gonna run time trial. Go those that are gonna run. I don't think we can get anybody to run Nike Foot Locker, um, but we'll see you again here uh, in a couple of months. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.